You are listening to the official Acts 2 podcast. For more information and resources, please visit our website at www.acts2orlando.com. Beautiful people. Yeah, you look good. You sound good. Yeah. You know, I have never had to preach a message on be fruitful and multiply. (laughs) It just happens. In case you haven't figured it out, I have no idea what I'm doing right now. Mm. Yeah, it's probably a good thing. Yeah, I... uh, Yay, Jesus. Everybody hold your hands out for a minute. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. I have never in my life... I just want you to stay meditating while I speak to you for a moment. I have never in my ministry life wanted to have a church where the church is built around the message where it's built around a sermon I've never wanted that it's built around family it's built around the king and his family it's built around the kingdom never wanted that so we say to you Jesus whatever you want to do this morning we're going to do it with you Yeah. Come on, just stay here a moment. I'm needing to hear myself, so. Yay, Jesus. Come on. Come on. Yes, God. Yes, God. Hmm. Is he good? About 30% of you believe it. Is he good? Yeah. yeah. Come on, I got about 60% of you. Is he good? Okay, I got about 80% of you. Is he good? Yeah, it's 90%. Is he good? There you go. Okay, thank you, Jesus, for that. Let's just thank him for that, that he's good. Thank you, God, for your goodness, your mercy, your kindness. You're so gracious. Yeah, he's way better than we think he is. Way, way better than we think he is. Do you guys know what the the gospel is? What is the gospel? Somebody brave, speak up. What's the gospel? Say it. Good news. Why is it good news? Because Psalm says all he does is good. And it's the story of him and us. It's the story of creation all the way through. And it's good news. Everybody say good news. Good news. Good news. Because God's good. Hmm. How many believers in Jesus do we have in here this morning? Yeah? Yep, so I'm going to ask you a question. Where do believers go when they die? It's not a trick question. Where? That's good. You're getting it. Where do believers go when they die? They go to heaven. I'm going to ask you another question. How many in here have died? 
So where do you get to go when you die? Hello? You tracking with me? Ephesians 2 says that I'm seated with him where? Come on, Jesse talked about this when he was here last week. Didn't you enjoy that last week with Jesse? Such a great time. People getting baptized in the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues. It's a power release. So beautiful. Oh, I really feel like I'm supposed to speak towards freedom and release this morning. Um, Galatians 2.20 says, I'm crucified with Christ, right? Can I get an amen? amen. You got to start speaking up or I'm going to start preaching. <laughs> Galatians 2.20 says, I'm crucified with Christ. Romans 6 says that I'm buried with Christ. Romans 8 tells me I'm raised to walk in a newness of life. Ephesians 2 tells me not only am I dead, buried, resurrected, I'm ascended. Come on. We need more of that in the church, don't we? What it means to live ascended. I just want to do a little adjustment this morning. Can we do that? Let's just take a little walk through Romans. Yes. Yes. Romans is one of the most strong doctrinal books that we have. It's powerful. Let me encourage you guys to read it, to spend some time reading it, but I want to encourage you to read it from maybe a different perspective than you have in the past. In my own personal life, growing up in the church, I memorized, at one point, I had Romans 6, 7, 8, 12, Memorized. All those chapters, memorized. I don't keep up with that, so I can't recall it quite as good as I used to. But how many of you know that just memorizing the scripture doesn't mean you understand it? Right? That's why Psalm says, your word I've hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you, not in my head. Because I can hide it in my head, but it doesn't change the inner life. He says that your word I've hidden in my heart. Now, I grew up in, in a Christian home, loved the gifts, supernatural, all that stuff, loved it. It was a little bit compartmentalized, but nonetheless, it was a good thing. I'm really proud of my heritage, how I grew up. But I also knew that in growing up and memorizing scripture, I saw it in a way that was inconsistent with what the word or what God was really wanting me to catch, but I saw it through my own grid. I saw it through my own lens. So I'm going to encourage you to read through Romans, read 6, 7, and 8 specifically. Read all of it, but 6, 7, and 8 is powerful. We're going to spend some time there. But read it from this perspective, that the gospel is good news. The gospel is not potential good news. It's good news. Whether I believe it or not does not change it being good or bad. The gospel is good news. The message of the gospel is this. This is what Jesus has done. This is what he's brought you into. Do you want to believe it? That's the good news right there. Can I break this down a little bit more? Good news is not saying to someone, Jesus did this, so if you do this, then you get that. That's not good news. That's potential good news. And what that does is it takes the good news off of the work of Jesus Christ, puts it back on us to finish. Jesus said it is finished. Right. Did he do that before you and I were on this planet? Mm -hmm. 
It's finished. It's our part to step into it. It's our part to believe. Somebody tell me what John 3.16 says. Oh, wait, there's a key word in there. What is that? There's a verb in there. The whosoever what? Oh, okay. Can somebody tell me what John 3.18 says? Gotcha. He who, do not, who does not believe is condemned already. So where does condemnation come from? Unbelief. The rest of our natural born lives, we will spend our time on this planet having our minds renewed to believe and understand the finished work of the cross. And in that comes transformation. Moving from unbelief to belief. I believe Jesus. Son of God, born of a virgin, died, took the sin and sickness of the world. I believe that, that he was raised again from the dead, that he ascended to the right hand of the Father, that he fulfilled every aspect of the law down to the dot of the I and the crossing of the T. He fulfilled it absolutely, completely. I believe that, but you know what? There's still places in my life where I don't believe. Hello? Hello? In other words, I can't just hold on to that. There is a journey, there is a progression of allowing Holy Spirit to speak into our lives that moves us from places of unbelief into places of belief. But there's an act of faith in that. There's an act of faith of moving towards. What does it look like? It looks like this. When you read things in Scripture, it's easy to have them come through our own grid and our own understanding and not let ourselves challenge it and say, God, show me what that looks like. Show me what that really means. Are you with me this morning? Because there's a lot of scripture that we read that we get our own interpretation of or we hold on to an interpretation of something that we've been taught from someone in times past. Well-meaning, good, nothing wrong with that. But you know what? You're not going to stand before the Father and hear him say, why didn't you believe or do what Andrew said you should? You're responsible for your growth. You're responsible for what you do. For what you believe. This week I was reading Psalm 62:11. David. He says, "You've spoken once, I've heard it twice. Only you have the power to do that." <coughs> How many have ever read the Word of God before, heard Him speak to you? You go back and read it again, and you hear something completely different. <coughs> Only God has the power to do that. What am I saying in all of this? Let's not get ourselves caught up in reading scripture, thinking we understand it, locking him into our own understanding. In other words, reducing God down into my image instead of us being conformed into his. Is this helping this morning? I'm positioning you for something here. Because I'm going to go back and we're going to read some very familiar passages of scripture, but I want to shift. I want us to think a little bit different about this. That the gospel is not potential good news. It is good news, end of story. Amen. Good news, end of story. And to the degree, to the degree that I believe the good news will be to the degree that I can walk in transformation and be conformed into his image. Amen? Take your Bibles real quick. Turn to Romans chapter 5. Are you with me in this room? Yeah. Yeah. 
Romans chapter 5. I'm going to read a few passages out of 5 and 6 and I think 8. And I may touch on 7. Romans chapter 5. And I'm reading out of New King James this morning. So sorry, projection. I'm going somewhere completely different. Thank you for your work and putting all that in. I'm going somewhere completely different. (laughs) Romans chapter 5, beginning in verse 6, says this. For when we were still without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For when we were still without what? Hmm. So I didn't even have, I didn't even get 10% into the good category. I didn't even get 5% into the righteous category. I'm still without the ability. I'm still completely at a deficit. All of humanity, completely at a deficit. Even, think about this for a moment. When we were without strength, oh, you mean Abraham? Dude was a beast. Come on. Father of the nations? It says that his faith was so strong that God had accounted it to him as righteousness. So even that kind of stuff doesn't work? That's what he's saying. Yeah, even when we're without strength. Now, now Romans 4, the chapter before this, talks all about the faith of Abraham. It's a powerful chapter. It talks all about the faith of Abraham, and it was accounted to him as righteousness. But he was a prototype leading us to something else. There is a difference between old covenant standards and new covenant realities. Hello? You hear what I'm saying? There is a difference between old covenant standards and new covenant realities. The reality is in the old covenant, it was built and based on performance. A law was given and people had to line up with it and perform in order to achieve. In the new covenant, there still is performance, but it's placed squarely on the shoulders of one individual. His name's Jesus. You ever heard of him? All responsibility, all performance was based on him. Now it's up to us to believe it. For when we were still without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet perhaps for a good man, someone would even dare to die. But God, everybody say, but God. But God God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Are you catching this with me this morning? I'm hoping there's a shift. He didn't die for you because you did something right. He died for you and I because we had absolutely zero ability to do anything right. Much more then, having now been justified by his blood. Everybody say justified by his blood. blood. Say it again. How are you justified? Justified. I like this. It breaks down at some point because if you translate this word into a different language other than English, it doesn't sound the same. But if you take the word justified and looked at it as just as if I'd. Just as if I'd. You're justified by his blood. So he's looking at you and going just as if I had never sinned at all. can do this i can do this much more than having now been justified by his blood we shall be saved from wrath through him 
Yea, God. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God. You catching this chronologically? When we were enemies, we were reconciled to God. When we were enemies, we were reconciled to God. We didn't even get a chance to go to the negotiating table. When we were enemies, we were reconciled to God. I like what Colossians says. It said, you who were at enmity with God in your mind. Remember what I said. Unbelief, condemnation, belief, life. We still have places where we're walking in enmity with God. And it's not a condemnation judgment thing. I'm just simply saying God has given us Holy Spirit to guide us into all truth, show us the things that he's done before he's spoken, uh, show us things to come, remind us of the things that he's spoken. He's, He's laid all this out for us for us to continually lean into it and walk in it. Is anybody hungry for that with me? I, I, I want more. I don't want to be satisfied with what I've experienced. I want more. Yesterday, Joss and I were at the house, and we were just talking about church and stuff, and I found it coming out of my mouth. I want more. I want more supernatural. I want more healings. I want more salvations. I want more deliverances. I am not satisfied with what I've seen. Here's the good news. It's not up to me to, to make any of that happen. All I need to do is begin myself to start walking in what the word says, believing it to the extent that it starts to manifest through me. Because Romans 8 says, it goes on after this stuff, you're going to discover that the whole earth is groaning in birth pangs, waiting in anticipation for the revelation of the sons of God. It's not the coming into, it's the revelation of. In other words, they exist. The earth is looking at you and I going, when are they going to get it? When are they going to get it? I think back about the time when Jesus walked on the water and it was like creation at that point was going, yeah, this is what we're waiting for right here. Can you believe this? We get to hold up the Savior today. Come on. Now, I don't know what the water was thinking, but if the whole earth is groaning in anticipation, that means something about the earth has life to it that is inside of this whole thing called salvation in the gospel. Am I messing with you here a little bit? It's 2 Corinthians 5 says that he reconciled the world to himself. That word world there is cosmos. It means entire created order. So even at the death, burial, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus, something happened in the earth. Psalms tells me, David writes and he says that praise the Lord and the earth will yield its increase. You want to go green? Start praising God. You want to protect the earth? Start praising Jesus. Come on, are you with me this morning? For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Everybody say reconciliation. Reconciliation. Come on, that's a good word, isn't it? Okay, Move over to Romans chapter 6, verse 5. For if we have been united together, I like that word united. I looked that up one time just to see, because I like union with Jesus. It's one of my most favorite topics on the planet. I like union. That word means implanted by or birthed by nature. Come on. Isn't that beautiful? 
I love the fact that it's his doing and not mine. Because you know why? Because if it's his doing and not mine, I can't get myself out of it. I can choose not to believe it. We have been united together in the likeness of his death. Certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. Oh, come on. Knowing this, that our old man, say our old man. You like this, that I have you guys participate with me in this? I want it to go out of your mouths and into your own ears, okay? Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. For he who has died, how many in here have died? I need every hand in the room to go up. What about those who don't believe? It doesn't matter, they've been crucified anyway. Yeah, Bella, joke's on you. You, you see, this is important. My death was not about my choice. My death was about his choice. It happened. It's up to me to choose to believe and enter into it. Why is this really important? Because I am tired of seeing the church operate in self-sufficiency, self-righteousness. If I could only prophesy more, if I could only lay the hands on the sick and see them get healed more, if I could only speak in tongues more, if I could only do these kinds of things more, I, those are great. We need those. We need those. Those are edifying and building. But that does not bring us into maturity. Going to church does not bring us into maturity. You can go to church your whole life. It's not going to bring you into maturity. That's like saying I'm going to move into a garage and see if I get turned into a car. Hmm. For he who has died has been freed from sin. There's power on that right there. He who has died has been freed from sin. How many dead people do we have in here? How many people in here are free from sin? Hmm. I've, I've talked about this before, especially when I go teach in different places to students. And I remember talking about this specifically one time, and one of the students going, well, if I'm freed for sin, from sin, why do I keep sinning? That's a good question. <laughs> Maybe you ought to think about that for a little bit. You see why this is important because we think somehow if I keep sinning that the word of God is null and void because I base my experiences at a higher level than I do the word of God. He who has died has been freed from sin. Let me start lining up with that. If I keep sinning, then I need to ask the question, why do I keep sinning? It all comes down to belief. What am I going to believe? Love that. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Come on, that's a good word. Knowing that Christ has been raised from the dead, no death dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. Say that, once for all. Say it again. Say it again. Once for all, there is no reason to crucify Jesus over again. All right, I'm going to myth bust here for a moment. Hebrews 6 talks about those who have tasted and have seen of the heavenly gift who wander away and end up crucifying for themselves Christ all over again. 
And we take that passage of scripture as for people who have fallen away from God and they say they're crucifying and there's no way to come back and be returned to repentance, Hebrews says. And we take that about backsliding to the point where people can't return. That is not what he's talking about. The book of Hebrews was written to the Hebrews to tell the Hebrews to stop living like Hebrews. They're living under a law system. Whether you believe Paul wrote that or not, it doesn't matter. He's writing, the author's writing this, and he's saying those who have tasted of the heavenly gift, who return back to that sacrificial system, who return back to the old way of living under the law. Remember the Jews? They had a plan. Tabernacle. You go in, you kill animals. This is what you do. This takes care of our sin. He's saying to those who have tasted of Jesus, but go back to that sacrificial system. Every time they sacrifice, they're doing it all over again. And they think that somehow in doing that, they're going to find right righteousness. And he's saying there is no room for that. It all comes down to the person of Jesus. Come on, is this good news? I'm hoping this is catching. There's good news in this. I'm just so thankful it's not on me, but it's on him. Verse 11, likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Jesus Christ our Lord. That's a good word, reckon. I'm from the South. I like that word. I reckon. I reckon. I don't know why that's in New King James. He just went total South on me. It's so weird. You got English translation, 1600s, reckon. I don't know why that's in there. It's a funny word. It means to consider. It means to do the math and come up with the same figure that Holy Spirit came up with. In other words, ponder it for a moment. You also reckon, consider yourself, sit down and do the math. Do all this stuff that I've been talking about until you come up with the same answer that Jesus came up with. And until you come up with that, don't go any further. Hello? Don't go any further. You also consider, reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Jesus Christ our Lord. I'm hoping this is helping this morning. Look over at Romans chapter 8 for a moment. Verse 18. I don't hear pages turning. I'm assuming we have a lot of electronic stuff in here. It's okay. I'm just that old. I remember paper. <laughs> For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Mm. I want you to close your eyes. And I'm going to read this again. And I want you to listen. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. You know what? You're made for glory. You've heard me say it before. I get really, I just get really worn out when I get into cultures or atmospheres where people are saying, all glory go to God, all glory go to God. Yeah, well, he concluded you in him. I get what you're saying, and I understand the heart behind that, but did you realize that the fullness of the glory of God is revealed in his church? Ephesians 3 says it. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Colossians says it. The revelation of glory happens through the unique way that you and I are designed. I just want to disappear. When I sing this song, and I hope all you see is Jesus. Well, then you don't need to sing then. Because you're going to get in the way. If you want me to see just Jesus, you're going to get in the way. 
How about embracing who you are? Hmm. Yeah. Come on, there's a shifting happening right now. You know, we spend the bulk of our time and our mind meditating on the things that are wrong. This is true. Studies have shown this. In humanity, we spend the bulk amount of our time in our thought life thinking on what's wrong. If you then be risen with Christ, set your mind right on things above. Do that with me. Above. Everybody do it again. Above. Paul, when he's writing this to us, he's equating the reality of what Jesus accomplished on the cross with what's in reach for us right now. And all all of the comprehensiveness of Scripture, specifically even the New Testament, you can't get away from it. It's all about what Christ has done. I'm crucified with Christ. He took me down into a grave. When he came up out, I came up out with him. He ascended to heaven fulfilled the priestly order and installation of priests. That's what that time period was between 40 days after he ascended, or after he rose 40 days. He ascended 10 days until the Holy Spirit came. All of that was about fulfilling the priesthood. Leviticus 8 and 9, you can go read it. Not one jot, not one tittle will pass until all is fulfilled. Holy Spirit comes, and there's a reason why Holy Spirit came after his being installed as the priest in heaven. Because Holy Spirit is here to conform you into the image of Christ, not that walked on this planet, but the one that is seated at the right hand of God. Hello? I don't, that's why Jesus says, greater works will you do. What? Are you kidding me? Jesus, greater works? I haven't raised the dead yet. Yet? Come on, are you with me this morning? In other words, my mind needs to start lining up with the superior reality of heaven and being conformed into that image, not the image of Jesus that I read that walked on this planet. Come on, come on. Greater things. Amen. That's good, Andrew. That's really good. I'll ask you again, how many in here are dead? Mm-hmm. Okay, just checking. The reality of Christ's death is no more real than the reality of your old nature being crucified with him. It wasn't him alone. He took all of humanity with him. 2 Corinthians 5 says that. That God was in Christ reconciling the cosmos to himself. Everything that had ever been created at that point, he was reconciling. Why is that important? Because you go back to the Garden of Eden, they were placed in a small, finite area and said, take dominion over it. I believe that the design of God from the very beginning was not for them to be staying in one little garden, but was for that garden to expand. Because he says, be fruitful and multiply. The work of Jesus reconciles that. We're on this planet, and what are we doing? We're expanding the garden. We're expanding the kingdom of God everywhere we go. This is our design. This is what we're for. I'm just saying all of this, not because you don't know that. I know you know that, but what happens is we get stuck in a mindset that says, I still have a sin nature. We get stuck in a mindset that says, there's still something wrong with me that I still have to get cleaned up. What are you possibly going to do to clean yourself up? But Andrew, are you condoning sin? No, I'm just saying, get your mind off of that for a minute. 
Let's get, our, let's get it onto this thing. Let's get it back on the good news. The good news. Why do I keep sinning? Good question. Ask yourself that. Don't ask me that. Ask yourself that. Why do I keep doing that? Why do I keep doing the things? And we go into, we take Romans 7, right? And we build that as the, there it is right there. There's the eternal struggle of humanity right there. Those things I don't want to do, those things I do, and the things I want to do, those things I don't do. Oh God, who will help me? But we forget that that very chapter starts with this one thing and it says, I speak to those who know the law. So if you know the law and you're living from the law, that's the very way you're going to live. And he comes to the end and he wraps it up and he says, so then I've discovered something. Romans 7, 21, he says, I've discovered something that a law is present. If I live like that, then a law is present inside of me. The (laughs) <laughs> look at it I think it'd be good to get your eyes on it Romans 7 look at verse seven twenty-one. come on I'm hoping this is helping this morning I find that a law is present he says that evil is present with me now come on is this contrary to what he's been talking about hello are you in the room with me of course it is he's saying you've been 2 Corinthians 5 says You've been made an entirely new creation. And not new as in you got an upgrade from a 1980 Toyota Celica to a ni- or 2017 Toyota Camry. Not that kind of new. It's, kind of, it's new, completely different. You went from a 1980 Toyota Celica to a space shuttle. You went to something otherworldly. You went to something completely different. Come on, do I have you in the room with me here this morning? What happens is when we get in the old mindset, which is exactly what Paul is talking about in Romans 7, this is not a perpetual problem that we deal with our flesh. That is not what he's talking about. He's saying, I speak to those who know the law. In other words, if you're living under this law, I'm going to try to communicate with you in a way that you can at least understand this. If you're living under the law, then this is what's happening here. I find then... A law that evil is present with me, the one who wills to do good. Look at it. I remember Holy Spirit whacking me over the head with this thing years ago. I used to read it with the lens. Remember what I was talking about, shifting our perspective. I used to read it from the lens that I believe this, that evil is present with me, completely contrary to the rest of Scripture. But it's in there, so I've got to believe it. Well, believing it is good, but believing it according to our own understanding is not good. (laughs) Papa Bill, I always hear him say this. I've heard him say it multiple times. God will never violate his word, but he has no problem violating our understanding of it, which I want. I want it violated. I want my own understanding violated. Holy Spirit came in and violated it one time. I was reading this. I find that a law that evil is present with me, the one who wills to do good. And I find myself believing that under my own understanding, and it's, oh, I'm always going to be like this. I'm always going to be like this. Holy Spirit finally woke me up one day, and and I read it different. I find that a law that evil is present with me, and that evil is the one that wants to do good. It is. It's self-sabotage. It's self-righteousness. When I want to do good in and of my own self, I make it come alive. Are you with me this morning? 
that evil presents itself and comes alive when I decide I'm going to find an own, my own level of self-righteousness and try to bring myself into some kind of something. Hmm. I don't trust my will any further than I can throw it when it comes to trying to do good. According to David, my will is really good for one thing. My will, which is my mind, my will, my emotions, right? right. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that is within me, I'll bless his holy name. There's a choice of the will right there. What are we doing? We're turning it up. We're looking back up. Are you with me? Come on. It's, it's moving from this to this. It's moving from I got it to I don't got it. I'm so, I know there are things that we get. I understand that. There are things we get. The, the, the virgin birth, I get it. That's not change. That's a close-fisted thing. That's not going to change. I, I'm talking about things of my own understanding. If I'm not finding myself operating in what, I've design, what I'm designed to be operated in, I can't say that I haven't attained in the sense of I need to do something, I have to say there's something about unbelief inside of me that is keeping me from accessing this. And I need that unlocked. It's a great word you gave me today about the chains on the door. I'm holding on to that. I'm going, okay, God, there's places of unbelief I need to enter into. Opens up a whole new world. But I have to allow my own understanding to be violated. I'm crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Have you ever heard, I'm going to wrap up with this here, have you ever heard this run around in the church? Oh, well, they were in the flesh, or I was in the flesh. Mm -hmm. Jesus was in the flesh. Ooh, what do you mean? Flesh, it means sarks, it means physical body, it means this thing right here you can touch, you can feel. There's nothing wrong with this. There's absolutely nothing wrong with this. This is a beautiful, created thing. It's wonderful. It's dust. It's not getting off the planet. There's nothing wrong with this. The flesh is the self-life. The flesh is the mind that still operates in unbelief and operates contrary to the mind of God. Amen. You with me? That's why Romans 12 is so important. I beg you by the mercies of God present your bodies as a living sacrifice to God. This is your reasonable act of worship. Do not be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. How do you get to transformation? Renewing of the mind. What's the renewed mind? The renewed mind ceases to think like earth, starts to think like heaven. Remember Colossians 3, set your mind on things above. Your sin nature has been dealt with, church. Come on, I'm preaching to myself right now. It's been dealt with. Don't take the phenomenal cosmic power that you have been given to raise the dead and use it to raise your old nature. 
It never was intended to get out of that grave, ever. Yeah, come on. Jesus, we just move with you in this. We move with you. We move with you. I want the more. I want the more, and I don't want my mind stopping me from accessing those things that I know that I'm designed to walk in. I have a God design on me to, on. to break atmospheres, to shift atmospheres, to change culture. I have a God design on me to do this, and I am going to do it, but I'm not going to do it under my own strength. I'm not going to do it by pursuing the good thing. God, I'm asking for your word to come alive again in all of us. Psalm 62, 11, it says, you spoke once and I heard it twice. God, I want to hear it again. I want to hear it again in a way that's different. I want to hear it again in a way that absolutely violates my own understanding. Come on, there's a shift happening here right now. Who wants to get in on this with me? Come on, there are mindsets right now that are getting broken. You can feel it. You don't understand it. It's not coming through your intellect. You feel something. There's people in here right now. You feel something happening in your physical body. It's okay. Lean into it. I am convinced that Holy Spirit primarily bypasses our intellect first. It makes its way there, but it gets to our heart, then moves to our intellect. I can't fully comprehend God, but I can apprehend Him. I can hold a basketball in my hands. I can't touch the entirety of the basketball with my two hands, but I can touch enough of it to hold it. Come on. Come on. I'm going to read this last verse to you, Romans 8, 11. And again, I want you to hear this correctly because you're familiar with it. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. It starts off by saying, but if the spirit of him, and we take that to question, do I have the spirit of God? Do I have it? That's what we do. We start getting into that thing. Because if I don't have the Spirit of God, what do I need to do to get it? It's completely a demonic mindset. He's not asking the question, if you have the Spirit. He's saying, if it's in you, then this is what happens. And it's in you. Come on. It's in you. Jesus. One last thing. If you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. If you live according to the flesh, that has nothing to do with ah, religion, religious activity, avoiding certain things, doing certain other things. That's still flesh. There's a, such a thing as positive flesh, positive self-life. Sometimes we call it disciplines, and it's really just religion. Right. It takes strength of character and understanding to surrender completely and say to him, I don't get it, but I want it. 
I need you to speak beyond my own disciplines, my own understanding. I need you to speak and move beyond that. Who wants more with me? Who wants more? Who wants to go into somewhere where you've never touched it before? Because you, you know you've tasted and you've seen that he's good. Yeah, come on. More, 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 more. I don't want this time right now to be about where your minds are focusing on what's wrong with you, sin patterns. That is so not the point. The point is accessing something we haven't yet experienced, but the word clearly says this is who you are, this is what you've been set up for. Yeah. Yeah, the more I grow in the Lord, the more I have a dim view of sin. In other words, it's getting weaker and weaker and weaker and weaker because I'm not looking at it anymore. I'm looking at what I'm supposed to be looking at. Come on. Jesus. Thank you for listening to the Acts 2 podcast. Love God, love people, and live life.